What would Abraham have been thinking? Did he think back to when he was in Haran and God first called him and promised to him that he would accomplish many special things through Abraham's family and his line? Did he think about how God had directed him to go from Haran to a place that he would show him? A place where God promised he would establish Abraham's home and family and even a nation. Maybe Abraham thought about God's protection, the providence that he had shown in taking care of Abraham through all sorts of dangers and trials and difficulties, even famine in that new land. Maybe Abraham thought about how God had rescued his nephew Lot. And almost certainly, Abraham thought about the many times that God had promised and repeated the promise that he would give Abraham a son. I have no doubt that Abraham thought about these things. How God had promised him an heir, someone through whom God would accomplish the promise he had made to bless the whole world. It had been 25 years from the time that God first made the promise until the time he kept the promise to Abraham. Did Abraham think about that time? Did he, did he think about how he and his wife Sarah had come to the conclusion that they were simply too old? There was no way they were going to have kids with Sarah almost 90 years old and Abraham almost 100. But God kept his promise. He had given Abraham and Sarah, their son, Isaac, and they loved him and they rejoiced in him. And now, well over 100 years old, Abraham listened as God gave him a new instruction. This is what God said. Now take your son your only son, whom you love, Isaac, and go to the land of Moriah. Offer him there as a burnt offering on one of the mountains there, the one to which I direct you. What would Abraham have been thinking? I suppose all of these thoughts and maybe more could have been racing through his mind as the facts kind of filtered through. He did love his son, Isaac. This was the one whom God had promised. This is the one through whom God was going to accomplish those amazing purposes to bless Abraham and to bless the whole world. And on the other hand, God was clearly instructing him to offer that child as a sacrifice. Now, you and I are given a word of introduction, a word of explanation. 
The chapter begins for us. Sometime later, God tested Abraham. We realize that God had some special purpose in mind, that he was trying to accomplish something. Abraham didn't know that. Abraham knew that God had given him a challenge. He didn't recognize it as a test necessarily. See, that's the thing about tests. This test would have been a lot less effective if God had first gone to Abraham and said, I want to let you know I'm about to give you a test. But it was still a test. It was still a challenge. It was still a difficulty that God put into Abraham's life. God's clear words of instruction and direction seemed to contradict God's clear words of promise. And so Abraham had the test. Would he listen to God? Would he simply trust and simply obey? In a way, we don't have to think very hard to try to figure out what Abraham might have been thinking. I say that because we face issues too. We face challenges and difficult situations. We run across times in our lives when we'd like to kind of rationalize away the, the difficulties of our situation, the challenges behind the decisions that we have to make. What do we think on those occasions? Aren't there times when we question whether God's clear words of instruction are so clear after all? Does God really expect me to wait until marriage to be with someone that I love so much and someone I care about so deeply? Does God really want me to put money, my hard-earned money, into the offering plate when there's all sorts of impressive and wonderful things that I might be able to do with that money? Does God really expect me to put myself at an inconvenience and to stretch my comfort level just because that might be someone else's preference or needs or concerns. We understand that it's a real challenge to think about these things when God's clear word of instruction seems to go against the things that we hold dear the things that we love most, the things that we think of as God's greatest gifts to us. We're not told what Abraham thought, but we are told what Abraham did. The very next morning, early the very next morning, Abraham made preparations and then he set out to do exactly as God had told him to do. But what was Abraham feeling? Can you imagine how the intensity of Abraham's emotions must have grown as he made that three-day journey? Can you feel that lump in the throat that he must have swallowed just to speak to the men he had brought with him and say, you wait here 
we're going to go over there to worship and come back to you. How challenging it must have been for Abraham to take the wood that had been loaded up on the donkey and place it on his son. To watch as Isaac trudged up the mountain carrying the wood that would burn on his own altar. And how heart-wrenching it must have been when Isaac turned back and said, are we missing something if we're going to offer a sacrifice? How many tears did Abraham have to hide as he, together with Isaac, trudged those last few steps up to the top of the mountain? We don't really need to work that hard to figure out what Abraham might have been feeling do we? And I don't mean to suggest that we've faced a trial quite like this one, this test that Abraham faced, but we do know the emotions of trials, tests that seem to pit God's gracious gifts to us against each other. How can I confront my family member, my friend, my loved one with this sin? If I know they're not going to like it, if I know that it could ruin our relationship, if I know it could cause strain, how much of a challenge is it for you when, when someone you appreciate and love comes and says, maybe you don't see them that often, but says, why don't you skip church for a day? Spend some extra time with me. How heart-wrenching is it when you are completely certain that the thing that you most want to do is not the thing that you should do, the thing that God wants you to do? See, it wouldn't be a test if God told us to do exactly those things that we most want to do. A test is hard. A test like the one that Abraham faced forced him to confront the question, do I do what God says? Do I put him first in my life? Do I love him enough to sacrifice anything, maybe even everything else, to do what he tells me to do? Was there another tear in Abraham's eye as he grasped the knife? and raised it up to slaughter his son who was now bound and tied on top of the wood, on top of the altar? Probably. But that's where Abraham had come. He was ready to carry out exactly what God had commanded him to do until the moment that God stopped him. What had Abraham done? He had passed the test. He had proven not so much to God who knows everything, even though it kind of sounds that way in the way that God describes it. He had proven not to God but to himself, to all of us who get to learn from this account that his faith was strong enough. 
to face this kind of challenge, to face this kind of difficulty. It really didn't matter what Abraham was thinking. It didn't really matter what he was feeling. What mattered was he had a clear word of instruction from God. And what mattered was God had given Abraham promises. If those last few decades of Abraham's life had been on his mind since God gave this new command... Well, then Abraham had been thinking not only of God's gracious protection, what God had accomplished, but he would have also been thinking of his own failures. He would have seen so clearly that he needed what God was promising. The biggest, the best of God's promises didn't have anything to do with Abraham or the land or his family or even a nation. The greatest of God's promises had to do with a Savior. And God, by making that promise to Abraham that he would send a Savior, enabled Abraham to believe it. To believe that God would do what he said, not just for Abraham, but also for the world. Abraham wasn't making something up. He wasn't coming up with some excuse. He believed what he said when when Isaac asked about the lamb for the burnt offering, and Abraham said, the Lord will provide When this whole situation was completed, Abraham even named that mountain according to this response, the Lord will provide. And the Lord did provide. The Lord provided a ram caught in the bushes that Abraham could offer up in the place of and instead of his son. Abraham, or God, provided forgiveness for all of Abraham's sins. He provided the fulfillment for all of his promises as he preserved Isaac and preserved Isaac's line. And yes, he provided a Savior. God's own dearly beloved Son that he offered, that he sacrificed for the sins of the world, for your sins and for my sins. God provided the fulfillment of the promise that he repeated to Abraham once again on that mountain when he said, in your seed, all the nations of the earth will be blessed because you have obeyed my voice. You know that seed. You know that Savior. And if God gave him up for you and for your salvation, how can you possibly lack anything? If God is for you, nothing can stand against you. You have one who overcame all of Satan's temptations in your place and on your behalf. You have one who always put God first in his life. You have one who offered up his perfect life as a sacrifice for your sins 
And you have the joyous certainty that He lives again so that you can live with Him forever. The theme of our service today asks us to rethink trials and tests and temptations. So does this lesson from the life of Abraham. It's natural that we would think of trials and tests and temptations, those difficulties and challenging things that come into our lives as bad things. It's natural for us to think that a hard decision, a challenging situation is a bad thing, but it's not. Not for us who have a perfect Savior. Not for us who have God's gracious promises. Not for us who have a God who uses even challenges and difficulties to teach us not to trust ourselves, but to trust in His unfailing and steadfast love for us and His perfect power on our behalf. Trials are beneficial whenever God uses them to teach and to reinforce for us that He is absolutely worthy of that top spot in our hearts and in our lives And so, through every trial and through every test, we can rely on God's promises. We can say with confidence like Abraham did, the Lord will provide. Amen.